Happy New Year. It has been a few weeks since we've been on with you. Uh, welcome. You are listening to This Week in Caribbean Arts. I'm Melissa Hunter-Davis, founder of Sugarcane Magazine. Sugarcane is a digital imprint publication dedicated to global Black art and culture. And we are back for 2022. Really looking forward to some really great conversations. And today is one of them. And I am here with my fantastic guest. Maria, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Marianne Ortiz, curator at the Paris Art Museum of Miami. Hi, I'm Suzanne Fredericks of Suzy Wong Presents, an online platform advocating for Caribbean artists regionally. Absolutely. Advisor extraordinaire. So <laughs> ladies, we've had a nice break. Are, are we rested? Are we ready for 2022? Yes? Yeah. No? Definitely. No. I'm ready. No. I'm refueled, recharged, ready to go. Basel was very exciting, a lot of fun, and I think a great way to end the year. Yes. For all of us in our various capacities in the arts, you know, I'm really looking forward to 2022, even though Omicron, I think, is, has brought a, a fear of the overwhelm and, you know, having to go back online and lockdowns and shutdowns and things like that. I think we're kind of all pretty resilient now and we'll find our way through. You know, I was just reading that the UK is starting to see a drop in cases. And I think it was said that typically whatever's going on in the UK, that typically the United States is next. So at least here in the States, I'm not sure about other parts of the world, but here in the States, we may see those numbers go down. So if anybody had plans to travel to Los Angeles for freeze, there is a very real possibility that you will be able to go and just, of course, be cautious. Please be far more cautious than you were in Miami in 2021 because you guys were super reckless. I know that we like to drink, eat. We haven't seen each other for a long time and party, but just, you know, sip and put your mask back on. Like lift, sip, put the mask back on, please. And watch it's so me. hard though. I know, but you know what? That's life. I have a bruise here on my nose because I'm wearing the N95 mask, the original one that 3M makes. And it has a piece of metal across the bridge that you can, you know, kind of clamp down to adjust. And I did that just, you know, to keep myself absolutely safe. And it's really great. But now I have this bruise and it's like a little dry spot on my nose that I'm going to have to try to address. But, you know, I can always <laughs> up and hide that. Yeah. Because I would <laughs> Well, that's a great excuse to go get like beauty products, you know, so that's that's great. Wow. <laughs> Um, uh, I have to, you know, vouch for the mask too. Um, I think I've been around a lot of situations where friends tell me, oh, I just texted positive and I haven't gotten a knock on wood yet. And I think it's because I've been wearing the mask. Um, so, and yeah, I'm getting ready. Like it's starting to make like uh, decisions about where to go this year and where to not, not to go to. So it's exciting because a lot of projects are coming full force this year. Um, the summer is going to be busy. The spring is already busy. So, you know, it's exciting 2022. I love it. And so 2022 has started off gently, you know, thank God. This time last year, we had just seen, I think, in our lifetimes, our first insurrection in the United States. Shocking. So, <laughs> really scary stuff. But this year, you know, the universe has let us uh, move into this new year gently. So, and some great conversation, <laughs> some great information. 
Susie, you found some fantastic things for us to talk about. What's going um, on? I'm sure there's there's a lot of things happening this month, shows opening and, and et cetera. So, I mean, I'll just run through the shows that are opening and a grant that has opened regionally for creatives. So Shay Lovelace is with Very Small Fires in LA. He's having his first show in Asia. And that opens next week, 19th of January. It's called, it's titled Presented as Natural. I've seen some of the work. It's absolutely stunning. And it's in Seoul. But there's also April Bay, who is at the Museum of Art and History. Her show is titled The, Opul- the Opulent Blurred. I'm not quite sure what that is. So I'm looking forward to reading like the curatorial kind of statement around that. So teacher Matai has a solo show with UNIT in London, which is a really quite a new gallery and very dynamic. And um, their programming is really fast paced. But her work is so, so kind of like huge and installation based. That, I think that will be a really exciting exhibition. And Alicia Brown, a Jamaican, an emerging Jamaican artist, is showing in New York at the UUU Art Collective. So anyone in New York, I would urge you to go see that. She's very interesting. She's a painter. It's called What About the Men? And it's very much about issues around masculinity in Jamaica specifically. There is also on a grant level, and you know, it's very public funding in the region is, is sparse. So Catapult was started last year. It was a partnership between Kingston Creative, which is Jamaica-based, and the American Friends of Jamaica. And they funded over a thousand creatives in the region to create programming, online programming. This year, they're focusing on 300 creatives with $500 grants. And that is to kind of build visibility around their work, build capacity around them, you know, producing material and content around their work. And that deadline is is January the 21st and the implementation I think will be in March or April I'm not sure they haven't really specified that but it's usually quite soon after and that will be very exciting for creatives in the region and for outsiders to be able to you know get a sense of what's really happening in the artistic community there's also the Tate show between the islands um, which I've heard wonderful things about but I I, you know I don't think I'm going to get to see it which is a shame but I have a catalogue on the way that's the best I can do (laughs) that's awesome oh there's also the creative Capital Awards that were literally just announced this week. And Maria, maybe you could speak more to that. Yeah, so this this is a great way to start the year because we got a lot of money for Caribbean creators and just for creators in general. So the Warhol grant was announced, but then also the um, Creative Capital, which I actually participated as um, a reviewer for visual art, along with many other reviewers, because there's, there's a lot of reviewers in this process. But I was happy to see the final list and that includes money given to Caribbean artists from, from all across the Caribbean. So here in Miami, a Cuban professor Xavier Cortada got money for a project, research project that he's been doing. Then Alia Farid, who is both from Kuwait and Puerto Rico, got also money for an exhibition that she's doing. Tarita Fernandez and Ada Ferrer and Barbara Martinez Ruiz got also money to create this new opera that deals with ideas of, of Blackness and Latinx narratives. That sounds so exciting. I read yeah. about that. Also, Marilyn Jimenez-Santil, which is an artist in the Dominican Republic, and uh, another artist from Puerto Rico, Ramon Miranda Beltran, also got money uh, for their projects. Marilyn Hunt Eldridge has been doing this amazing project on Susan Cesar. So that's also great that it's being supported. And also Nugent Smith also got got support. And even, you know, I mentioned a couple, and I'm sure that there's also more, because, you know, us Caribbean, we're, oh, Paola Segura as well. <laughs> and, you know, also, all, all, 
our Caribbean-ness is everywhere, you know? Um, so I'm sure that even others that I'm forgetting also have are half Jamaican or have something else or whatever. So it's just very excited that we're starting, our creative sector is starting the year with such great, you know, injection of funds. And I'm excited to see what all these projects turn out to do. Same here. And of course, I'm always proud of Nugent and anything that he's a part of. And I'm really interested. Hopefully we can bring him on because I really want to discuss the NFT that he showed us during our last our last podcast. I would love to talk to him more about it. I thought it was really interesting and just seeing him move into that space. So of all the projects that you saw that received funding, which one are you the most excited about? As much as I can say is that I'm excited about all of them and um, I'm just happy to be able to, to participate in that process. Were there any projects that maybe, and you don't have to say the name of them, but were there any projects that weren't funded that you still want to follow up on and maybe, you know, just forego? Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of projects that you see that you would love to uh, follow up with and that I, at times, you know, I, I'm watching what that artist is doing. I think that, you know, that's one of the best things about being in a jury process as a juror is learning from artists that you might not necessarily know anything about and getting to to also know more about a particular project and see an artist's practice evolved, but also just learn new 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 artists. I mean, a lot of these awards, they're very competitive, like so many great proposals. So it becomes very uh, difficult. And that's why it's also nice when there's more than one juror in the room to kind of, you know, have a conversation and, and help parse out who the finalists are. So yes, 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 to your question. I would love to run back um, to the conversation that we had about April Bay's show. So you mentioned the, the blurred. So blurred stands for black nerd. If you, oh, okay. yeah, if you've never heard that term before. So it stands for black nerd. And she said opulent, opulent, was it opulent blurred, which I love. Opulent, yeah. Uh, that's, I felt like, yes, she's <laughs> <laughs> You talking to us. I love it. And it's such a fitting, fitting title. And also she has, I guess coming up soon, I don't know if it's been a, she kind of announced it that she's also working on a show in Moscow, which I'm also really excited about. So I'm really proud of, of her trajectory. And also you mentioned Alicia Brown. I've been following her for quite some time. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of young people who, who seem to be, you know, really working on some, some exciting things this year. So I'm really happy. Do you have any plans on going to see any of them? Do you think that you'll be able to at least fly out to see one of these fabulous shows? Well, I mean, you know, last year I, I did venture to Armory and to Basel, and I was really glad that I did, but I got very sick after Basel. <laughs> so, you know, I am a bit reticent. It's it's a, it's a tough one. I think we're going to have to just see how things unfold, and these things will be fairly last-minute decisions, certainly for me. But I know, I know galleries that are planning their booths, booking them, committing, whether it goes online or not. I know the Atlantic World Art Fair is happening. I'm going to be in that as Susie Wong presents. Um, And that doesn't require any travel as yet, although they're hoping to develop into a physical kind of location sometime soon. I think I will probably aim to head to the Armory again, freeze in 154 in London, but that's all later in the year. You know, prior to that, I can't see myself organizing a trip. Like I would love to see the Tate show between the islands, but I can't see myself, you know, justifying a trip to be able to time it to go and see that show now. It's just, you know, 
COVID is really limiting on that. So I'm hoping in their programming, you know, there's a virtual tour or walkthrough or something like that, along with a curatorial talk that, you know, you can engage with. So I think online will be as strong as ever. Right. And probably something that we will just have to incorporate into our programming from now on. You know, I know that we all love the in-person presentations and talks and exhibitions, but this is just now a permanent part of any of the work that we do that you must have a, a virtual component. You yeah. Know, popped up on us, yeah. like, was it the week before all of this started? And like, all of a sudden it was like, bam. <laughs> no, we're like, yeah. oh, not now, not now. So yeah. I, I think- well, You know, being located in the region and never having access to a lot of this kind of content has been a joy, certainly. And I think it's a great development to be inclusive of, of yeah, it's out, a game you know, outside changer. of the North. Yes, it is. Yeah. Agreed. And, you know, I also wanted to add from the museum standpoint, like for a lot of us, our travel budgets really changed in the pandemics because museums really had to like reshift a lot of funding. So I know my travel budget was significantly affected. <laughs> so I also might not have the means to go to everything that I was going before. Precisely. Um, rather just have a virtual conversation. You're right. For me, I thought that 2022 would be a little bit better. Kind of gave me pause that, you know, it didn't matter how excited I was to kind of get out of here. Even some of those plans I realized probably won't happen. I need to like pick two places, maybe three, and then like really decide if we can do it. So we were really lucky that one of our writers was given access to Sundance Film Festival. She had press pass, but it wasn't just a basic press pass. She was actually invited by Sundance to be there. And we were really excited. She was really excited. The only thing that kind of made us a little little wonky is that the hotel prices were astronomical by the time everything picked up and we checked it like, you know, what are we going to do? But then it didn't matter because Omicron kind of sliced that anyway. And now Sundance is all virtual. So we don't have to worry about that anymore, but it does change everything. So ladies, we are really lucky today. We are joined by Jessica Taylor. And Jessica Taylor is a Beijing curator and producer based in London. As the head of programs of International Curators Forum, Jessica co-curated the 2017-2018 Diaspora Pavilion exhibitions in Venice and Wolverhampton and is co-curating the site Diaspora Pavilion 2 project. She has co-curated programs such as An Alternative Map of the Universe with Guest Projects London, Migrating Cities, the Spark Festival Hong Kong, Sensational Bodies, Jerwood Staging Series, and Monster and Island with artist Sheena Rose, the Royal Academy London. Jessica also produced the exhibitions Arrivance, Art and Migration in the Anglophone Caribbean World for the Barbados Museum, and the multi-site program Curating the International Diaspora, Jarja, Barbados, and Martinique. Prior to joining ICF, Jessica worked as an assistant curator at the Barbados Museum and holds a BA in Art History and Philosophy from McGill University, Montreal, and an MA in Curating Contemporary Art from the Royal College of Arts in London. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Jessica, it's thank so you lovely for having to, me. Okay, so lovely to have you here. And I should also mention that she's Jessica's now here in Miami as part of the Caribbean Cultural Institute CCI Research Fellowship. She's been researching our collection at Penn. Now, we've been here in this podcast talking a lot about the great Caribbean shows that have happened in the last year, the ones that we were able to see, the ones that we would not were able to see, like the one at the tape right now, but that we've been following. So you are here like almost like our insider. Tell us about what's going on with that show. You saw it. You worked very close to one of the co-curators. We just kind of want to get your impressions. 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the show has been in development for a very, very long time. It is co-curated by my colleague, David A. Bailey, who also co-curated the Diaspora Pavilion with me. And I think, you know, David's been in dialogue with Alex Farkasen, who is the director of Tate Britain, about what a show looking at the Caribbean would be like. I think it's 46 artists in total. So it's quite a large show. It's on for a long time. You walk in and you do feel like it is historically significant. These artists have not all been shown together before, not in this scale. It is an important gathering of work, but I think that there are some really, you know, kind of necessary questions and conversations around the framing of the show. What does British Caribbean mean? Who gets included in that and who does not? My main question is, is it possible to have this conversation in one show? Is it something that should be addressed in as nuanced a way as possible over multiple years, over multiple shows, over multiple projects? I mean, I think this is a conversation that, as all the press is saying, you know, this is 70 years of history that needs to be given a lot of time and space by institutions like the Tate. And I think this is an incredible first step. And I hope that there is lots more to come because there are voices in the region that I think need to be part of this conversation. You know, it's interesting that you say like commitment, this question about commitment. I'm assuming that it's just one show and that there's not plans for others or it's just like kind of getting their feet wet. I have been to Tate a couple of times and I actually haven't seen, like how often do they show Caribbean artists? Do we have a numbers of that or? Probably never before. That's my guess. Jessica would know I mean, that. I think again, like who, you know, who, what is the classification of a Caribbean artist? I mean, obviously, you know, they are showing Hugh Locke, they are showing Sonia Boyce, they are showing Isaac Julian, they are showing Steve McQueen. But I think a show that looks at the Caribbean and talks about this British Caribbean relationship, this is the first. And what are some of the most like striking works in the exhibition? So for me, from a personal note, I think one of the conversations that I really had about David is who are the artists that have been in Britain that came from the Caribbean in the 50s and the 60s who have not been part of that main kind of narrative around British Caribbean art and looking to see where the gaps are. I think for me, two artists were Paul Dash and John Lyons. Paul came from Barbados in the 60s and John came from Trinidad in the 50s. And I felt really strongly that artists who had been making art in Britain for 50 years, 40 years, you know, really needed to be part of that conversation. So seeing them included in the show was a really quite an emotional moment for me walking in and seeing John's work there for the first time. I mean, that is something that he's 93. If he hadn't been in this show, there's a chance that this kind of acknowledgement wouldn't have happened in his lifetime. It's great to see a younger generation as well. I'm seeing Blue Curry's work was really, I mean, I love the work that Blue has made for this show. Sonia Boyce's crop over, the wallpaper and the kind of installation of that work is really spectacular, is beautiful. You know, Alberto Whittle has quite a large installation, some sculptural works in there I hadn't seen before. I was really excited to see. And also, you know, Michael McMillan's front room. So this is an installation that he has done where he represents the Caribbean front room in museums across the country. And that felt like a little oasis because, you know, the rest of the show is, you know, a lot of white walls and, you know, works on walls and you're walking through and it feels like a Tate exhibition. And then you get to Michael's room, this kind of oasis. And it really is. It's a beautiful space. Representing the Britain, right, for the Venice Biennale, they've been getting a lot of traction for the Whittle as well. It feels like dominating uh, on that side of the of the ocean. So I was wondering about, like, do you feel like there's dialogue between those two women from completely different generations, and that you and, and if you see that in the exhibition. I do think once again, like, you know, there are very, there are differences to their experiences. Alberta was born in Barbados and lives in Scotland. 
Sonia was born in England and lives in, you know, lives in London. I think the fact that they're both of Barbadian heritage is hugely significant. Albert is representing Scotland in the Biennale as well. So in the British and Scottish pavilions, we will have Bajans. I mean, that is a historically significant moment as well. And I think that, of course, you know, there are cross connections between the work, but I do think they're also saying quite different things. I think their experiences and how they relate to the Caribbean are different. I hope is acknowledged in the conversations around their representations in Venice. And now I wanted to also ask, because I think that we've been kind of tiptoeing this, you, you kind of alluded to it, but haven't enunciated, like how is a Caribbean artist being defined in this exhibition? So from my reading, this is not clear. And this is a conversation that David and I have had for a long time, you know, when they were thinking about what to call the show, you know, it was, there was this kind of conversation of Caribbean art in Britain. And I think from my perspective, this idea of talking about Caribbean art without engaging with artists who aren't in Britain or haven't lived in Britain, for me, there was a a disconnect there. I think my argument was that, you know, you had to be very clear that this was a British grounded perspective. And I think, you know, I was, I went back to the website to look at some of the text that, you know, around kind of the dialogue around who it is that they're specifically saying that they're speaking about or where that definition comes from. And the the text is works of artists from the Caribbean who made their home in Britain alongside other British artists whose work has been influenced and inspired by Caribbean themes and heritage. But then that's a really wide definition. There are artists who aren't from or have ever lived in the Caribbean in the show, but are speaking about the Caribbean like Lubaina Hamid. Yeah. It's a huge spectrum, which I think actually leaves out a lot of people rather than a kind of more nuanced focus look. I mean, that's kind of perspective that will lead to the logic of several kind of lead offs from a show like this, what it lacks, what it gives and new curatorial ways of looking at the region and the relationship or even just the region separate. So I think um, I think that's a really interesting. I find it interesting that the non-Caribbean or non-Caribbean heritage are included. Is that what you said? Mm, there's so a few artists with- who speak about or are influenced by the region. OK, interesting. I guess that goes back to just the way history is being told and who tells the history, right? But I think that the a positive aspect of that provocation is what Susie was mentioning, that that will create a reaction from other curators, from other museums, and to address that. I'm sure that if I were to ask you who wasn't, and I'll ask you, who was not part of the show that you wish was part of the show? The list is long. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, there you and go. I, and I think I recognize that, right? I recognize what, what is the capacity of one exhibition. I totally mm-hmm. understand that you can't include everyone in one show. Um, and I think as a curator, I'm sure all of us kind of grapple with when you're doing a project who, who can't be included. And so I, I think ultimately we need a more expansive model. I think I think the one group exhibition just doesn't perhaps serve the needs of complicating this conversation are. And I think, I mean, we, ICF produced the organization I work for, International Curators Forum. We produced an anthology that came out at the same time of the exhibition. And the anthology is bringing together texts, older texts and newly commissioned texts that try and think more dynamically about this conversation between Britain and the Caribbean. And my article for the text looked at when we set up these kind of bounded notions of British Caribbean, what do we leave out? And if we thought about it more expansively, what is the work that we could consider? 
And I look at a list of work like Cosmo White's series of work that's inspired by the archives around the Brixton riots. And Tavares Strawn, who recently had an exhibition in London with his encyclopedia. And look at other works of Blue. I look at someone like Lynn Perotti. I look at, you know, Ewan Atkinson, whose Starman series is very much engaged with the the architectures of empire that are left in Barbados. And so if we thought about this in a more expanded way, what is the work that we could be looking at? And how do the methodologies of the work that is grounded in the Caribbean and being made in the Caribbean make these conversations stronger? Mm -hmm. Well, if there are not any more questions, Jessica, I want to thank you for joining us this morning here in Miami or afternoon, night, wherever you are. And for us, it's just, you know, great to have a sense of what this exhibition is, even if we cannot look at it. So we're very thankful for kind of your generous input on how to engage with such a powerful show. And I think that it's exciting and it's good news, you know, like anything that like moving our, our artists forward and moving the dialogue forward and provoking thoughts in terms of what British Caribbean art is. Also, how can we tell the story of British Caribbean art without telling the story of other parts of the Caribbean? You know, like I think that those types of, of questions just affirms more who we are as a global community. So thank you. Thank you, Jessica. It's very enlightening. I do hope you do get to see the show because, you know, what it definitely does reinforce is how beautiful the work is that has been made by artists from the region. The work itself is spectacular. I would love to see it. I would consider it as well. Um, I know that, like I just mentioned earlier, that the Omicron cases in the UK have started a, a downward trend. You know, I would say by February, decide if it's safe enough for you to go. And if you can if you can hop on over, I think it's worth a visit. Jessica, do you know, is there going to be any kind of online programming outside of talks, maybe like a an exhibition tour? Do you know if anything like that was part of the programming? So I know that there was an online conference that happened in the beginning of December. I wasn't able to tune in because of other work commitments, but I know that there were Natalie Batson from Barbados Museum was involved. I know Ada A. Pat- M. Patterson was in the was in one of the panels. So there was a three-day conference, I think, that's happened. I'm not sure if that's been shared online. I've heard of things like workshops, but I'm not sure about tours, but I can definitely look into it and report back to see if there's anything that people can join from in the digital space. And the region, we want to see it. <laughs> Thank you. That's funny, actually, because I was speaking to Blue about this and he was saying that there's no comprehensive list of all the artists in the show anywhere. <laughs> I've been searching and I can't find one either. So I just thought it and was And I looked in the catalogue too, and it's not even in the catalogue. So, um, really? Yeah. Not a kind of, comp- yeah, one list. But I can, I can pull that together and share that with you. That would be great. Thank you. And if anybody that's listening saw the show, please, you know, DM me on, on Instagram and tell me how it was. I would love to, to just to hear what you think about the exhibition. I even asked um, another one of our co-hosts from another platform, and she hadn't been able to go see it either because of Omicron. So she had not made it over to the museum. But she did say that that was on her list of, of shows to see. So... Jessica, thank you again for anyone who's interested. Um, Life Between Islands, Caribbean and British Arts, 1950s to now. It does close April 3rd, so you do have time. Um, it's free. It's a free ticket if you are a member of the Tate. So if you get a chance, you know, please, you know, book your tickets, become a member and, and go see it. And I think that we might see if we can kind of slide over things and looking looking a little nice this year. 
Again, thank you so much. Um, ladies, we're gonna go ahead and close out. Maria, where can we find you on social? You can find me on Instagram. My 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 thing is handle. <laughs> my handle. Thank you. My handle. It's of uh, contemporary chica. Susie, where can we find you? You can find me on IG, Susie Wong Presents, um, or my website of the same name. And Jessica, where can we find you? I am also on Instagram, and my handle is Jessica Taylor with three underscores three underscores and i am melissa hunter davis you can find me on instagram at melissa hunter davis but do not follow me there follow me at sugarcane magazine on instagram you can also visit the site sugarcanemag.com and we are open again we were closed for the holidays sugarcane starts with this week in black art starting this friday so we're back online and we do have an interesting um, an interesting essay written by Angela Carroll about our experiences during Art Basel Miami Beach that I think that you will really like. Um, and we would love to have your feedback on it. Again, this is This Week in Caribbean Arts. This was a, a great uh, ease back into our podcasting. Make sure that you follow us, download, and give us, was it five stars, six stars, 20 stars, a thousand stars, however <laughs> Give us all of that. Buy all the stars all the stars if you well, like the content right? yes if you like the content put a ring on it and give us some stars we hope you join us next week thank you be safe and take care